again, everyone, and welcome to episode 112 of Three Point Podcast. Since our last podcast, the world, United States, and sports world is in the midst of a major health crisis. We decided to get together, hash this thing out just a little bit. I'm the baby boomer, Ted Fatel of Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5 Radio. Our middleman is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network in Charlotte, North Carolina. Our millennial is Jared Fatel of Grand Valley State University and Fox 17 TV in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Our partners include Advanced Elevator, The Corona Connection, Card Service Michiana, Rivals, Tap House and Grill, Shared and Auction Service, The Corona Public Schools, ProMec Engineering, and our online syndication teammates, Sports Radio Detroit. Never miss an episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or any of the other big podcast hosting sites. Shoot us your comments and questions on social media. That's at 3 Pod. Well, we have an awesome guest lined up today, the author of bestsellers, A Season on the Brink, A Good Walk Spoiled, and many, many others. The Hall of Famer, John Feinstein, will join us to get updated on the current situation in the world, his career, and his new book, The Back Roads to March. We're going to get it rolling right after this short break. And this short break includes the coronaconnection.com. They know it's great to be gold. Keep up to date on Cavalier Nation at coronaconnection.com. And also, Advanced Elevator Company. They feature top expert field technicians for installation, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators, an area business leader and longtime supporter of the Corona Public Schools, and a very proud partner of Three Point Podcast. Up next, we have a very special guest, a Hall of Fame author of bestsellers, A Season on the Brink, A Good Walk Spoiled, and many, many others. The Back Roads to March is his latest, and we welcome John Feinstein to Three Point Podcast. John, hey man, we're really excited to have you on with us, and since no March Madness, it's a perfect time to, like they say, cuddle up with a good book like The Back Roads to March. Now, before we get to your book... You know, I know things are really fluid out there with this COVID-19 crisis. Just to start us off here, some of your thoughts on this crazy week. Well, it's hard to know where to begin because, it's, as you said, it's, it's so fluid and things are happening so fast, and they did happen so fast in terms of sports, uh, really starting Wednesday uh, when uh, they started shutting down conference tournaments, and then Thursday came the word, of course, that there would be no NCAA tournament, Major League Baseball shut down, NHL, NBA started it really Wednesday night, uh, and, and golf finally got around to figuring out that they needed to shut down too, um, and who knows when we're going to have sports again. I know a lot of basketball coaches uh, were talking yesterday, well, why don't we just postpone and, and reschedule in a month? Well, we don't know where we're going to be in a month or six weeks or eight weeks or 12 weeks and the logistics of it would have just been too difficult I mean trust me and you guys know this the NCAA would do anything to have the tournament so it can collect its billion dollars from CBS and Turner so the fact that they canceled it tells you just how difficult this situation is uh, for everybody and it's it's no fun I mean people are, are talking about um, you know oh, I'm going to miss the NCAA tournament so much uh, we all will but the players are the ones who suffer the most here because they're the ones who work so hard to get there. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much unprecedented without a doubt. I mean, you and I are pretty close to the same age. You know, we were really little when John Kennedy got assassinated. Obviously, we were around with 9-11 and, you know, the, the earthquake in Frisco and a few other events, but uh, this is completely uncharted waters. Well, totally, because those other events were tragedies, and decisions had to be made about how long we weren't going to play, how long we weren't going to have sports, and, and, and then move, we moved on with our lives. And, of course, the NFL. Uh, in 63 went ahead and played that weekend, which is really difficult to believe. Uh, now, this is, as you said, is totally uncharted waters because we don't know where the end, end is going to, to be or how serious this is gonna, going to become because it seems to be getting worse and worse every day, not, just, not, not like it's saying, okay, it's ebbing now and it's slowing down and we're closer to um, either a vaccine or a way to control it. We have no idea when this is going to be over. Yeah, and I should preface this, too. We're recording this on Friday the 13th uh, in March here of 2020. I mean, this is such a fluid situation. Who knows what's going to happen by the time we get this you know, on the air. I know we want to talk about your uh, your new book here, too, John. And I'll start it off. Tell us a little bit about the back roads to March and the idea behind it. Well, it was really a labor of love, Ted. It, it, uh, I've written, uh, I think, 10 
college hoops books now, and, and the first one, as you mentioned, was Season on the Brink. But when I started, first started working at the Washington Post when I got out of college, uh, covering college basketball was very intimate. Uh, you had complete access to players and coaches. You could walk into practice any day you wanted to without a court order like it seems as it seems that you need nowadays. You could go in the locker room before and after practice and obviously games and talk to players and have extended conversations with people. And you really got up to close. You really got to know people and understand their lives and their backstories. That's really not the case anymore. And I wanted to go back uh, to those, for lack of a better term, days of innocence in my life. Uh, and I knew uh, from personal experience that the kids and coaches at the mid-major level have stories to tell that are at least as compelling as those of the, the guys who play on ESPN every night and they're going to be NBA lottery picks. Uh, and I've always believed that you don't have to be rich and famous to have a story to tell. And I've written other books like this in other sports. I did a book on PGA Tour qualifying school. I did a book on minor league baseball. I did a book on the Army-Navy football rivalry. None of, none of the guys that I wrote about there were going to be millionaires and be on TV constantly. And yet they had stories to tell, and the books all did well. So I, I said to my publisher, why don't I go back to where I cut my teeth as, as a reporter to a sport that I love more than any other and see what I can find in a season traveling around to places where most people don't go. I mean, I, I did drive down a lot of back roads to get where I was going. And you go to Bowie's Creek, North Carolina, you go down back roads. You go to Farmville, Virginia, you go down back roads, believe me. But there were stories there. And I think the story that kind of sums up this whole experience, excuse me, I just hiccuped on you. I apologize. <laughs> but um, the story that sums up this experience for me was when I went to Farmville. You guys, any of you three guys know where Farmville, Virginia is? No. Nope. No. Well, you're in the vast majority, believe me. <laughs> it's uh, 60 miles west of Richmond and about two miles east of the middle of nowhere. It's where Longwood University is located. And, and the coach at Longwood is a guy named Griff Aldrich who played Division three ball, uh, went to University of Virginia Law School, wanted to coach. That was his passion. But he had $100,000 in, uh, in, in school loans to pay back when he graduated from law school. So he took a job in a law firm in Houston, became hugely successful, became a partner, and uh, was making about $800,000 a year when his college roommate, Ryan Odom, got the job at UMBC. And I know you guys are all familiar with mm -hmm. UMBC and their upset of Virginia two years ago. Right. Called Ryan and said, you know, I still have this passion to coach. And Ryan said, well, I, I've got an opening for an assistant. I can pay you $32,000 a year, which was quite a bit less than $800,000 a year. He took it, moved his wife and three kids from Houston to Baltimore. Two years later, they pull the upset over Virginia, and Ryan gets hired, uh, excuse me, Griff gets hired as the coach at Longwood. And I went down to spend a day with him, and we were they were playing High Point, and High Point is coached now by Tubby Smith, the, who won a national championship at Kentucky. And Griff said to me during the afternoon, boy, what a coaching matchup this is. Tubby with 606 wins in a national championship, and me with 12 wins. Well, that night during the game, my wife who is a, graduated from Vassar with a degree in English Lit and isn't exactly a big Hoops fan, <laughs> texted me, and she said, I forget where you are. When are you getting home tonight? So I texted her back, and I said, I'm in Farmville, Virginia. I'll be home about midnight. And the text came right back, and it said, you're having an affair. There's no such place as Farmville, Virginia. So the ch title of that chapter is, Yes, Christine, There is a Farmville. And I think that whole night experience kind of sums up what my year was like and how much I enjoyed it. So was there anything specific you were looking for in these teams that you decided to cover during these stories. books? That's, that, that's what I do. Uh, I, I love looking for stories that no one else is looking for, that no one else is going to tell. As I said, you know, it, it's everybody writes about Mike Krzyzewski and Roy mm -hmm. Williams and Tony Bennett and any of the, Bill Self, any of the other name, name coaches you want to uh, talk about in college hoops or Tiger Woods woods and golf Tom Brady and football I like to write stories where when you finish reading them you say I didn't know that mm -hmm. wow that's interesting I didn't realize that that gives me great pleasure when I can do that and that's what I set out to do so like along those same lines um, 
you obviously followed a team like for the entire year, kind of in season on the brink. If there, in all of history, is there any team that you really wish you could have had that opportunity to follow? You mean uh, you mean besides uh, uh, Indiana in 1986? Yeah. Yeah, is there any other team that jumps out to you? That yeah, there, there are a few. I, I, I mean, obviously Villanova in 85, uh, and I, I did cover them throughout the NCAA tournament, and I did fly back with them from, to Philadelphia after they won the national championship. Certainly Duke's first national championship in 1991 when they upset the 34-0 Vegas team. And then on a different level, uh, teams like um, Lafayette in, in, the, in, in 2000 uh, mm-hmm. when they, they won the Patriots. Patriot League title, or or even uh, Loyola just two years ago when they went to the Final Four. And again, I spent a lot of time with Porter Moser and his players last year to find out what it was like uh, to be uh, suddenly thrust into the, the spotlight the way they were. Now, Sister Jean was the biggest star involved mm-hmm. with that team, but it was a life-changing experience for really everybody involved with the school. We've talked about uh, a season on the brink a couple times where you followed Indiana around and Coach Bob Knight. This is kind of a two-part question. So Bob Knight kind of had his reunion with Indiana a few weeks ago. I'm sure you saw it, and that was, that was just an awesome moment and a really cool story. I'm curious how you felt about that, Bob Knight going back and, and reuniting with some of his players in the university. But also, that movie or that book was adapted to a movie on ESPN. I'm curious, how cool is it to see one of your books become a movie? It was awful um, because it was such a terrible movie. <laughs> and I didn't have any control over the content. ESPN did. Uh, and they thought they were smarter than I was, and they thought they could do a better job turning my book into a movie than I could. Um, they made up characters. They made up scenes that didn't happen. Um, and, and I thought it was one of the worst movies ever made. And when people say to me, oh, yeah, season on the brink, the movie, I go, please, I had nothing to do with it. I really didn't. Um, as far as night returning to Indiana, Indiana, I was very glad to see it. <clears throat> it should have happened long ago. But Bob has always needed to get the last word in, whether it's with a referee or another, or one of his players or another coach or with the media. And he spent the last 10 years trying to get the last word in on Miles Brand, <clears throat> excuse me, the president who fired him. And Miles Brand's been dead since 2009. <laughs> and that, that's the shame of it, that it took so long that he missed the 40th anniversary of his 76 undefeated team. Bob's not in great health right now. So I'm glad he did make it back and was part of that 40th anniversary for the 1980 Big Ten team. You know, we're talking with John Feinstein, and John, you know, as I mentioned, Jared's going to be hitting the trails, looking for a job in in journalism, whether it be broadcast, whether it be writing. Uh, you're really the preeminent expert. In fact, when we put this podcast together two and a half years ago, you know, we talked about a couple authors we'd like to get. It was either you or Mitch Album, and you beat one for two. <laughs> That's right. We beat, beat, beat him to I've the punch. I've never made up a story in a newspaper. That's <laughs> yeah. the difference between Mitch and me. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. But when you when you sit down and you get an idea for a book, uh, what is the process that you go through? Is it always different no, or is it the same? I tell you there was some kind of process or some kind of scientific way I do it. There's not. Um, I've had ideas come to me in the shower. I've had ideas come to me in the car. I've had ideas come to me watching something on television or reading something. Um, it, 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 there's no, 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 no science to it at all. It's very random. Uh, this idea, really, for Backroads to March, came to me really the last couple of years because I, I do a lot of mid-major uh, games on television. I, I do stuff for UMBC. I do stuff for VCU. I do stuff for Army. I do stuff for Patriot League teams. And as I was traveling, I, I would remember I was driving to Lafayette on a, a Sunday morning. Uh, to do a game up there. And I thought, you know what? Even at my advanced age, I still enjoy this. I still look forward to it. I'm excited to see Fran O'Hanlon and his players. They were playing Bucknell, Nathan Davis and his players. Um, And and I said, what if I could do a a whole season of this? What if I could spend a year going to places like Lafayette and Bucknell and other schools like it and knowing that I would, as I said earlier, get the kind of access that I love to get when I'm I'm working. And so that 
that's really where the idea kind of came together. And I sat down and kind of put my thoughts on paper, talked to my publisher about it, and off we went. Wow. Well, outstanding for sure. You know, and you, you, you talked about it earlier on that uh, – you get excited when you're putting stories together. That's the whole process, stories. When you were a young kid, I imagine you told stories to your parents. And, you know, how did you evolve to become the author, the multimedia guy that you are? Well, uh, I, I probably did tell a lot of stories to my parents. Some of them were even true. Um, but I was sort of famous for writing long letters home from camp uh, when I was a kid uh, within my family, obviously. Hello, and, mother. Uh, I, 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 the way I evolved very simply is I was I, I was a failed jock. I went to college as a swimmer. I broke an ankle uh, and couldn't swim. Obviously, a friend of mine told me that the student newspaper was a good place to meet girls, and he was right. And but I liked it right away. Uh, I, I, I think I write like I talk, so writing has always come easily to me because I hear the words in my head and uh, fell in love with it. I covered both news and sports uh, when I was in college and fell in love with the process, as you said, and loved the storytelling. And then I was lucky enough to get a summer internship at the Washington Post when I graduated and got hired at the Post as the night police reporter at the end of my internship because there were no openings in sports. And that turned out to be a great break for me because it was like getting a Ph.D. in journalism. My editor for a year and a half was Bob Woodward. Wow. And that's where I learned a lot of the reporting skills and techniques that I've used throughout my career. Well, just an amazing career you've had so far, John, and we're really looking forward to the back roads to March. Now, people can pick that up pretty much. Uh, they can get audiobooks. They can go to their local bookstore. They can order it on Amazon, all the regular sources, right? Yep. It, it, Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com, bookstores. It is on audio. It is on e-books. So uh, it shouldn't be hard to find. And I've been telling people the last couple of days, if you need uh, something to help you deal with withdrawal from the tournament next <laughs> week, this book isn't, isn't a, a terrible way to do it. Well, in fact, your book and other books, the way we're looking at right now with, with no sports, I mean, what do we do, right? Yeah, well, I'll get a lot more reading done. That's that's not a that's that's not a terrible thing in general. Absolutely right. Well, John, I know uh, that your time is precious. We really appreciate you breaking time out to join us here. It's been uh, very informative, and uh, we look forward to your future projects as well. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, John. Yeah, thank you. All right, guys. That was that was just a fun interview, and you know, had a little bit of a technical difficulty at the beginning, Jared, <laughs> as this sixty-three-year-old guy here forgot to hit one button as we started off the first five minutes. But I still think we were able to pull it together, and obviously, the last ten minutes or so went real well. A uh, couple things to note in our discussion, though. Mr. Feinstein there, not a big Mitch Album fan. No. That's number one. And number two, not a big fan of a season on the brink, the movie. No, I didn't even know there was a movie until Matt. I mean, when we started researching him, knowing we were going to have him on, I did see that. Um, the fact that I'd never even heard of it probably was a good sign that it probably wasn't very good. But I didn't know that. it was that he Brian Dennehy. So Brian Dennehy played uh, Bobby Knight. I know. I, see, that's, I remember watching the movie when it came out. I hadn't read the book. Um, but I remember watching the movie, and maybe because I hadn't read the book, I thought it was a pretty solid movie. Maybe if I went back and watched it now, I would mm -hmm. think differently. But, um, yeah, he wasn't. didn't sound like he was much of a fan of the production that ESPN did. So <laughs> I'd be curious to read the book and then watch the movie and really kind of like what he said, see how different the two are. Yeah, well, I do like the fact, though, that he uh, he told it like it was. Yeah. You know, it was he wasn't going to sugarcoat anything on either topic. You, you would have thought you spat on his face just even putting him <laughs> in the same sentence as Mitchell. Oh, I know it. I know <laughs> it. Did you notice how I danced out of that pretty <laughs> darn quickly, too? <laughs> uh, By the way, I will, uh, I, I will uh, read his new book. I already have that on order. And I'm also, I showed you the list of books that I have, guys. We posted it on our, on our Twitter site and others, uh, but I'm going to pick up Caddy for Life. I never really read that. I have it in my library, but uh, I didn't realize that it was about uh, the caddy that had ALS. Yeah, Bruce Edwards. Yeah, Bruce Edwards. And of course, um, we're recording this podcast on Sunday. We hooked up with John on Friday, but this is Sunday. This is actually my best buddy, Chris McMillan's birthday, and he died of ALS. I, mean, I know we're all going to be really bored with sports not going to be on uh, yep. for the foreseeable future. I mean, you talk about a book that you should just be go home and curl up, and I know you're running out of things to 
watching your DVR, you made that abundantly clear before we started recording. That should be the very first thing you do is read oh, that book. Oh, there's no question. I mean, I don't know what you guys are going to do. I know, Matt, hell, you work for ESPN. There's no sports. What, what's going on there? Yeah, I mean, right now, I was this week, I was supposed to produce a college baseball game on Tuesday and then three women's NCAA tournament games this coming up weekend. Uh, so obviously that's not happening. So our office here in Charlotte for the foreseeable future, at least for the next week or two, we're kind of on call in case breaking news happens, in case uh, Bristol, you know, the main ESPN campus, in case they need some support. But right now we're just like sitting at home. We're on call because they basically told us there's no reason to come into the office and just sit around and stare at each other for eight hours a day. But the campus up at, in Bristol, I mean, Sports Center's still going on. They're still doing the NFL shows. They're still kind of going going along as normal as they can. I do, I've, I've talked to some of my buddies who are still up there, and one of them, he's the main producer mm-hmm. for uh, the Sports Center Top Ten. You know, that goes on every night. Yeah. And he said it was pretty funny. They had a meeting either it was like Thursday or Friday when this stuff really was like, like going crazy, they had a meeting. And they were like, "We're not going to stop doing Sports Center. We're going to try and go on as normal as possible." What top tens do we want to do? Everyone just throw out ideas because you know, obviously, right now, top ten would be heavy NBA and March Madness. Yeah. And they were like, "I don't know, top ten bat flips, top ten <laughs> touchdown catches." Like they're just going to yeah. like basically at this point, they're just throwing shit at the wall and trying to make TV. <laughs> so what do you think they're going to be doing? Is it, so like, let's say in a week from now, what is first take? Are they just going to be, like you said, bring like the old Michael Jordan versus LeBron debate. Like, are we just going to be running back that pretty much like over and over stuff along those lines? I am curious, like those, like those kind of shows, if, I mean, at some point, if really this goes on for a long time, if those are going to stop and they, they've thrown around ideas of just like having, um, you know, like using the personality, Stephen A. Smith, one day he picks his top 10 games and just replay those games, whether it's, you know, like the 91 NBA Finals or oh, yeah. the 2006 Rose Bowl. You know, just have like Scott Van Pelt give his top 10 games and just run those on ESPN and just, you know, do stuff like that. Because, uh, you know, like there's no sports going on, but people might like doing that. Watch the 95 NBA Finals. Watch the Super Bowl from 1997, you know, or whatever. So I th- it, it might end up coming to that. Yeah, I think what would make sense is kind of like what they do on Christmas Day and like Christmas Eve where they just run the 30 for 30s, like back to back to back to back. Like I feel like the, I'm kind of waiting for that to come. Yeah, where all the, where all the live programming is. That's a great idea because even I turn on my uh, my DVR to see what's coming up on ESPN. And it says to be announced, to be announced, to be announced. That's right where the live stuff is, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So why not replace some of the great stuff that you got to have there in the ESPN library? Yeah, what? I mean they they've got everything, so it might come to that. And yeah, the thirty for thirties. I mean that's easy. You could fill up multiple days. Just has has there been any been talked about is. This summer, or pretty soon, it's either this summer or this fall, there's that 10-part Michael Jordan, the, mm-hmm. the Bulls documentary that's supposed to come out. People are like, this is the perfect time to release that. Because that, that thing is like hyped up like crazy. I know. So they're like, go ahead, it's got to be ready. Go ahead and early release it. Let us all sit back and watch that documentary. <laughs> Don't you think that would be like one of the highest rated shows ever on ESPN at this time when everybody is just <laughs> you gotta, yearning for yeah. sports? <laughs> Probably would be. I really and and I've I've seen like Disney Plus has released Matt probably knows this all too well like Frozen <laughs> Two was released early he's probably seen that probably four or five times since that's came out yeah no, I know I saw some postings on it a lot of parents out there have already seen it three or four times yeah, yeah we watched it this morning there you go <laughs> yep Claire was pretty excited we we knew it was coming out. she basically woke up and asked about it is Frozen Two out so we did watch it this morning but. uh but, yeah, they've started, I mean, they, they've delayed some movie releases, like Mulan was mm-hmm. supposed to come out. They delayed that. And some other movies, I think, like a, a James Bond movie was yep, supposed to Fast come out. Fast and Furious. Delayed that because, you know, they're like, people aren't going to be, I mean, they might end up shutting movie theaters down, who knows. But Or people just aren't going to go to the movies. Um, so, yeah, it, it's crazy to see, like, what, what they're going to do. Like, the Disney parks have closed. So, But, like we talked about before we started recording, you know, bars, restaurants, and other stuff like that are still open. So it's not like people aren't going out. Well, that's a good segue right there, Matt, because, I mean, we are a three-generational show. We have different outlooks on things. And let's start with that topic. I know, Jared, you you were talking off mic about what's going on. We, we just looked on his phone. 
St. Patrick's Day celebrations yeah. over in East Lansing is just a madhouse. Bars are shoulder to shoulder. And here's over there. my complaint with that. I had friends who who have been going out for the last three, four nights in a row. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're not the brightest. I will say that. To say that it hasn't crossed my mind about going out, I'd be lying to you. I mean, when you see, I mean, talk about FOMO, the fear of missing out. I mean, is it the fear of catching this virus or is it the fear of you're missing, you know, like I said, Michigan State, Harper's, it's the biggest party there that's been there in years. Mm-hmm. You would think that Michigan State just won the national championship in basketball, like the way things are going down over there. But other cities like Kalamazoo, Ypsilanti are shutting down those bars and everything to stop like the St. Patrick's Day stuff. I feel like people are getting mad at the the people who are going out. And I think that's fair, but you just got to accept like, okay, people are stupid. Like college kids are dumb. They are going to go out and party. They're not worried about it. I'm not necessarily worried about dying from this. You know, I mean, I wor- I'd be worried about getting in, you know, being sick for, for a little while, but you're, they're not worried about dying. So I think it's the, like the government's job or whoever's job. You got to shut down everything, but the essential things like a grocery store. Matt was mentioning like the news has to keep kind of running the hospitals, the police, like that has to keep going, but shut down the restaurants, the bars. I don't know why that's such a like crazy idea. You know, and I was going to, I was going to argue with you a little bit about that, but you, you laid it out there pretty well, but you also said, you know, a certain uh, segment of our society is kind of dumb and, and they can't, <laughs> the damn, the, the damn millennials. Well, I'm, and I, the didn't, damn Gen I, I didn't, you, know you want to say, I did not say that, but I'm on the, I'm on the belief myself yeah, if you have to do that, if if that's the only way that you can keep that certain segment of the population away from spreading this, I guess that's what you got to do. My my thought and my process is, you know, this whole you know, try, just try to be smart. Try to stay a distance from people. Try to really be conscientious of your surroundings. I know we were at a funeral yesterday, and they had they took precautions, but then they don't do anything I, though. No, it it probably didn't do enough. If somebody had the virus yesterday, it was it, it was going to be spread somehow. I agree, and I don't know, it, Matt. What do you think? Do you think you just shut everything down? Do you think uh, it's a combination that you you know you just be smart? What what are your thoughts? I mean, I think it's definitely a combination. I mean, it shouldn't only be up to the government to be forced to shut things down because I would hope that people would have some common sense and say going out to some bars where these gatherings are 500 people in this small little bar or on the street or, you know, wherever they're at, probably not the smartest thing to be doing right now. Or, like I said, like going to a movie, going to a movie theater or something like that, probably not the smartest thing to do. Um but as Jared said, and as you said, there's a large, and not just millennials, because there's older people, too, that right. are still going out and yeah. doing stuff. But a large part of this population that, I don't know if it's selfish, I don't know if they just don't care, or just stupid, but, I mean, they're still going to be going out if it's open. So maybe it does come down to, if you really want to, we've heard these terms over and over and over, if you really want to flatten the curve and really try and slow this thing down, you might have to take extreme measures and just force people to stay home because as long as these bars are open, as long as these pub crawls are still going on, as long as the malls are still open or whatever, people are going to get sick of being stuck in their house and they're, and they're going to go out. But I was going to say one thing, you know, Jared, like you were saying, you're not worried about dying from this. And, you know, they've talked about, we've all seen the stats. And first of all, I don't think either of us would ever claim to be like health experts or, you yeah. know, we're not like, trying to act like we're health experts on this topic. We know what we've read and what we've heard on the news or whatever. But what we've heard a lot and what people have said, you know, the older generation, you know, older people, maybe Ted or, you know, older than Ted are the ones that are most at risk. But the problem is if those kids are sick, they could be, like, passing it on to those people. So while, you know, you may not be worried about dying from it specifically, maybe just saying you're going to be sick for a week, but you could pass that on to people who are more at risk. Like, that's the problem, too. And, you know, people who are like, ah, I'm not going to die from this. People my age aren't dying. I'm fine. I'm healthy. I work out. I exercise. I'm going to be good. Cool. But you might pass it on to people who are at risk. So that's the problem, you, you too. Know, you know what's dumb? And, and I was, it was an argument with my parents about this, actually. So my, a lot of my buddies, they, we, they weren't going out to bars last night. They were just hanging out at one of my friends' house. My friends would not, or my, my parents would not let me go. But you know what we did on the way home from the funeral? We went to Best Buy and bought a TV. And there was like, are you how many people? There's probably 100 people in Best Buy. So it's like, what are we doing? There's no, like, that was dumb. I feel like my parents are pretty smart. But yeah. I was arguing, like, that was pretty dang dumb. But were they, were they at least... Uh uh, vigilant. I mean, did they kind of try to stay away from people? Did they use the hand sanitizer? Did they, you know, at least 
take some precautions. I, here's the thing. You talk about just absolute shit show at my house. You got one of my brothers is coming from mid-Michigan. You got me coming from West Michigan. You got my other brother, Josh, coming from Ground Zero, where the very first case in Michigan was in Ypsilanti. Oh, jeez. And, and we're all coming to the same exact house. Yes. And we're going to funerals. We're going all over the place. We're coming into the studio. Riding like in the car together. Station, riding in the car together. If one of us has it, definitely all five of us have yeah. it now. And what's scary about it, I could have it right now. I don't even know. It doesn't show symptoms for four to five days. Exactly. Or maybe it'll never even show symptoms. Open me. that door back up, will you? We need some air in here. <laughs> I, I think you're actually nervous. <laughs> fan blowing in there or something? <laughs> door is now open. You know, Matt, Matt brought up the point, too, about flattening the curve. And, and let's get into a little bit of this discussion on what the experts are at least saying as of today, Sunday. You know, I agree with them. We do not need this country to fall into a situation like they got going on in Italy. And I know exactly what you said, Jared, about, you know, the government maybe stepping in, shutting all these things down. I'm not sure I would go that far, but I do think there is something to flattening the curve. I think there's something to just everybody socially, social distancing, at least, at least. And then the other thing, and I've talked about this even before this became more of a pandemic and a crisis, you were dead wrong on this. You kind of you kind of glossed over that. I did. I'll, I'll be the first to admit that I did gloss over it a little bit. There's no question about it. But I still stand by my one comment, and I will not change this. We have to stay calm. We cannot get in this panic mode. Let's let's you know this is a tremendous country we live in, and. I saw how this country pulled together after 9-11, and I'm seeing some steps there with everybody. It, it may be slow steps right now, but I think people are you know, paying attention to what's going on there and trying to do this social distancing for the most part and trying to do the right thing and wash their hands. I mean, I'm seeing an, a, a conscious effort, at least, from what I see out there in the world. And I think that's well, a great funny start. funny is from the biggest source that I've heard, the smartest guy. And like we said, Joe Rogan had a big time podcast on Monday where Michael mm-hmm. Holstrom, like the head of, I'm not sure he had a bit, he was really smart when it comes to disease and germs and spreading it. And he basically said that washing your hands and wearing the mask and the gloves, it doesn't do anything because mm-hmm. it's transferred through air. So right. yeah, we're taking these precautions, but it's kind of like, it's kind of pointless. But if you, if you wash your hands and all that and don't pass it on to somebody else, right? I mean, it's when you when you it's when you rub your hand on, when you rub your hand on anything that has the germs on it, and then you you touch your mouth or touch your eye, then you're bringing it into your system. Is that a fair statement? Then you're going to breathe it, and then it's going to go in the air. That's right. Right. That's so. Can I ask a question? Mean, yeah, go ahead, Matt. Uh, I was I was just going to talk about kind of like what Ted was talking about. You know, I I think part of the, like the panic thing. You know, that's obviously become a big thing, and obviously the. The hottest topic that everyone's talking about is the toilet paper. Yeah. Making jokes about it. You know, like people, that's like the panic. You see people going out and going crazy. There was a dude, I forget what state he lived in, but I don't know if you guys saw, he went out and like crossed a bunch of state lines and bought like 18,000 things of hand sanitizer yeah. and was just like going crazy. And now like Amazon and eBay has blocked him because he was going to try and like sell all of it for profit. So you got people like doing stuff like that, people clearing out all the toilet paper and things. So like, there's this whole other, like, side to this pandemic that's going on that's, like, uh, people that are, like, trying to be, like, the corona tough guy. Like, people that are really, truly still saying, like, like it's not as serious as it is. Why are people panicking? I'm still going to live my life. I, you know, you should just be living your life. Don't believe the news. Don't panic. You know, all these people who are truly, like, still not believing the health experts. And, I, you know, it's one of those things I'm, like, there's a difference between panicking and preparing for the unknown. Like, yes, the people who are panicking and buying 700 rolls of toilet no paper sense. and filling their freezer like crazy and doing all that, okay, yes, there, there might be a little bit of an extreme there with the panic. But the people who are just, like, poo-pooing everything and acting like this is still a hoax, like what our president was calling it just like a week ago, still calling it a hoax. They're still saying it's fake news. You know, the media is blowing it out of proportion, still doing that. And that's just as stupid, too, because it's like, why can't you at least be prepared for the unknown? What if this does turn into an Italy situation or, like, in South Korea or some other places where they do actually, like, lock down and shut down um, cities and shut down the country or whatever? I wouldn't be shocked if prepared that's the then? next step. <laughs> if, if, if a week from now we're doing the podcast where we're all in our house. Yeah, <laughs> I, seriously. On our phones only. Yeah. Huh? I, I, that wouldn't shock me, but here's the question, and you, this is what you keep hearing, is flattening the curve. And maybe I'm an idiot for this. Flattening the curve, you got to flatten the curve. The hospital beds, oh, if they get too many people. 
So if I so the fact there's no vaccine, there's really no cure. Right. What is like going to the hospital? What are they doing? Like if I get it, do I need to go to the hospital to get over it, or can I just sit in my room for five days drink Gatorade? Because I heard a, a guy's testimony who got over the disease. He literally said they locked him in a room and gave him Gatorade. Well, it depends on the extreme of the disease. Now you know some people are developing pneumonia. They need to have oxygen. Yeah. I mean, you so know, all these think, supplies yeah. in the hospital they don't have enough. You know, so that's what it is. It is it becomes a breathing issue where people need to be hooked up to exactly. Okay, yeah, so that makes sense. So it's the worst extremes. I mean, I think they said, and I don't know if this is the right percentage. Like forty percent of the population that get this disease really have mild symptoms, right? Yeah. Then another forty percent have more like the normal flu-like symptoms where they're they're the, sick, but they're sick for quite a while. And then there's a the twenty percent. You're saying the twenty percent are the ones that are dying. You know, so we got to do whatever we can. That, like what's crazy is, you know, talking about maybe shutting things down might be like the extreme, but when you look at the examples from around the world, South Korea being one, Italy finally did it, and a bunch of other countries, I think France has done it now, other countries have gone to like basically full lockdown mode, that's when they finally started to flatten the curve. That's when they finally started to actually be an improvement in numbers and stuff. And I mean, we had, we had uh, Zach Marble on my buddy on that podcast a few weeks ago, and he talked about how South Korea, how living over there, he has seen how ahead of the game they are in so much stuff. And they, right from the jump, right when this became a thing, they started testing properly. They started locking people down. They had the drive-up testing. They started treating it. And, yes, it did get pretty bad, but they were able to level it out because they took these extreme measures. And, I mean, we're not trying to get into politics. We're not a political show. We may be in a couple of weeks. We won't have anything else to talk about. <laughs> right. But it, it's what's scary to me is when you see – you know, we were talking about a whole side of the, our country that uh, we don't want to use the word dumb, but, like, they, they trust whatever they hear from the, the administration running the country. And when you have them firing a whole part of the staff of the CDC and when you have them calling it a hoax, that doesn't help at all because that's, like, people will just listen to that and they're going to believe it. So, you know, it, to see, like, countries that took the measures and really did even this thing out and try and reduce as much as they could, and whereas you look at our country and people are going out and going to concerts, and like I saw a Billie Eilish concert down here in North Carolina like a few days ago in Raleigh, and it was like sold out. It's like, what are you guys doing? Like, I know you paid a couple hundred bucks for that ticket, but, I mean, bite the bullet and stay home. Like, you, what are you doing? That's what I'm lucky I wasn't in because spring break aligned perfectly with this. And yeah. I actually had an invite to Nashville where I know like your, All right. my cousin Casey and you know, some of his friends went down. They went, yeah. I wonder how it I is. I seriously think I, he sent he sent me a few videos like Corona, like who? Like question mark because <laughs> the streets are still packed. There. Still packed. I was wondering about And that. I don't know. I honestly, I'd like to say that I would stay home, but probably if I was in that scenario, I would have gone to. Wow, I, and I know, and I've none of us have been. Maybe we all would have. Maybe you guys wouldn't have done that. But maybe that's me being dumb. I probably would. Are you kidding went. me? When I was your age, I was I was dumb. I would have done it. I mean, I would have. I would have been right out there with your buddies. I was gonna say, like, I can sit here now as a thirty-five year old, or am I thirty-five? Yeah, yeah, I think 35. you are. Um, and, and say, like, no, I'd be staying home like I am now. But like, yeah, if I was twenty-one, and you told me class is canceled. And the uh, St. Patty's Day pub crawl is still going on. I'm probably going to that pub crawl. <laughs> I think there's that's no why doubt. they need to shut it down. And I will say this: you know what's kind of crazy to me? You know, we're we're basically all Twitter's been kind of a joke about the whole thing this whole time. And I still don't know whether or not we're overreacting or not. I think I would say it's probably good that, like we said, we should probably shut, shut everything down and rather be safe than sorry. But it was kind of, this thing didn't really dawn on me until. The NBA shut down, and and then like Tom Hanks got it. It took. It's kind of sad that it took a like celebrity getting it for me for it to kind of click into place. Like in my brain, like wow, like this is kind of well. And like, now if they can get it, you bring up like, the NBA and look at what happened with the Utah Jazz and the Utah Utah Jazz played the Pistons, and then one of the Piston players now yeah. has it. I mean, it shows you how easy it is to spread. That that's a good point though. That's when it hit home. I want to keep this conversation going, guys, but I also want to tell you about. Everybody really likes a great deal. Well, go online at SheridanAuctionService.com for info on upcoming auctions. The auction house is packed with all kinds of great items. Stay up to date by checking their website at SheridanAuctionService.com and sign up for email notifications or call Troy Crow at 989-720-SELL for other details. And Guys, this is where it hits home, too, right this moment. At about uh, 6 o'clock tonight, we'd be having Selection Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. 
think about that. You know, we're recording this on Selection Sunday, and one of the big events at Rivals Tap House and Grill is March Madness, you know, and all the other sports. There are the official sports bar of Three Point Podcast, Rivals Tap House and Grill in Corona. Now, they're still open. I think they are doing some social distancing there. And uh, But let's start in the sports world, guys. I mean, March Madness, I know, Jared, you saw it coming, and then, you know, it's canceled. I have one comment to start this part of the discussion. Do you guys think, with all the money that's involved in um, the NCAA and television and everything in March Madness, and I know this is a very serious pandemic we have going on right now, but don't you think that they could have just postponed it and said, hey, let's take a look at May, and let's see what's going on in the world at that point? You know, everybody that is going to be uh, eligible for the tournament, let's say. Hey, don't go crazy out there. Don't go get fat, but go about your business. We'll make a decision when we get to the end of April, and we may just do this tournament and have May Madness. What do you guys think about that? Is that not totally likely. not feasible? I don't think it's feasible. Why? I mean, the TV, everything that would go into it, the players. I mean, you got players getting drafted uh, to the NBA. You don't know where we're going to be in April. I feel like I didn't asking say the players to... Like still be practicing. Like then you're telling them. Like then you're just kind of pressuring them to keep practicing when they shouldn't be practicing. No. When they're saying you shouldn't be doing this sort of what stuff. What I'm saying players, is, one player gets it. It would literally go. So what would you do if let's say like, uh, let's say Cassius Winston gets it for Michigan State like a week before the tournament. You like now he's out. Now, or and then but then you know Michigan State like one. It, all it would take was one team to have this. Well, that's shut down the whole thing again. That's and why then, I say you know if if we can get a handle on this right. I'm just saying, let's say that for whatever reason, this country is is coronavirus-free virtually by the end of April. Now, I'm not saying that's possible, but I'm just saying if it is, if it does happen. You don't think that college kids your age could put together at least – I mean, it wouldn't be perfect, guys, but couldn't they put together a week or so of practice and then – it wouldn't be the same quality, but at least it'd give them a chance to perform. It'd give them a chance to to complete this season, and it also would also help this country heal that you get to see the college basketball tournament. I just, I don't know. That's what I thought about. I think, I mean, I think it's definitely interesting to think about because, yeah, having it not at all, it does seem a little crazy, especially now no spring sports at all, so no college World Series or anything, nothing at all. It is kind of crazy to think about, but I, I think – they could obviously, like the NCAA, they could obviously make an exception, but a lot of like rules and actual like school stuff comes into play. Yeah, like if you hold it off, like kids will be graduated. Kids, kids like Cassius Winston might not be enrolled at MSU, so like legally he can't play for Michigan State at some point. Or like Jared said, guys are going to be getting ready for the NBA draft. You know, like kids' eligibility will be up. So like, it, there's actual like rules, and yeah, the arenas might have other events going on or obviously the TV stuff. Like, obviously you could try and like make exceptions to all this stuff, but like, it's not as easy as like people, the NBA, you can easily postpone the NBA and yeah, pick it up in, in June or July and maybe just have a little bit of a, a truncated season and just maybe go right to the playoffs or do something like that. But with college sports, it's a little different because there's eligibility rules and guys are getting ready for their professional careers and stuff like that. So it's not, I just like I don't think it's as easy as just like postponing it. No, I'll, I, let me just throw this in there. I I 100% agree that it it would be real tough to do. Number one, you said it with the word exceptions. This is a this is a, an exceptional situation that we're in. I mean, you make the exception, and and I say also. You just got to leave it kind of open-ended. If if one of the players or if there's players out there that rather not risk injury and get ready for the NBA, that's okay. Would. That's okay. I think they would play in the, in the, in the NCAA tournament, though. I think that maybe there'd be one, maybe two that would sit out. And, okay. that, and that doesn't necessarily... But like I said, I just think that you run such... Talk about just absolute logistical nightmare. I don't know how they would be able, able well, to even put it, it together. Especially when it's just with one guy could get it again, and then it's off again. I, that's why I say it have to be where it's completely cured. Okay, that's probably a fantasy thing. It's, not, it's, it's a fantasy thing. It's not gonna, the vaccines aren't going to... It's not possible to get the vaccines here 
for everyone into in within what like six weeks. So it's not possible. So my in my viewpoint, I'm thinking. You know, it doesn't have to be the the grand tournament that we have had. Just let it go. It's not going to happen, man. Well, it's, it's a it, pipe dream. I, I, well, I know it is obviously now, but I'm just thinking it could. It maybe could. You no, could have pulled it off. You couldn't. Well, let it go. All right. I do. I do think it's funny though, like bringing up sports. Um, and you know, you mentioned NBA, and then you know, you guys mentioned Tom Hanks. You know, a lot of times there's a lot of people who aren't sports fans, or, you know, don't like pop culture and stuff like that, and they they rip on the NBA or the, the money that the professional athletes make, or they rip on people who are almost like obsessed with sports or movies and stuff like that. You know, there's that, there's a whole group of people that are kind of on that side of the aisle, but kind of like what you guys said, had the NBA not, had that not happened in the NBA, had Rudy Gobert not got tested positive for coronavirus, And then, you know, the, the snowball effect kind of happened. The NCAA, the conference tournaments got ended. The NCAA tournament guy and Tom Hanks news came out. That's what made everyone start actually taking this thing seriously. So it's kind of like, you know, you go ahead and bag on the NBA and stuff like that, but had that stuff not happened, we'd probably still be sitting here with people calling it a hoax or whatever. So, I mean, it's like one of those things, like, was it good that this stuff happened? Well, no, because like you said, we'd be, it'd be selection Sunday today, but had this stuff not happened, we might not be taking this as seriously as we are. Can you imagine how terrifying it'd be if like Donovan Mitchell or somebody like died? Oh, like in a knock on wood, somebody who's like, you know, just a peak physical, like specimen, great shape, like an NBA player, young. Like I, that, I think that that might be the next thing that kind of, that would really hit home, wouldn't it? Yeah. That would, that would stop people from congregating at bars. You think, I think that's <laughs> I honest to God think that unless they shut it down, I honestly think it's going to take something like that. Now what's your gut feel? There you? is, there is a side that I've seen some people talk about it that, like, this thing is also kind of creating, I mean, like, it's bringing a bad side out in some people where, like, they're saying, eh, only old people are dying. Almost like saying, like, oh, well, it's just old people. Yeah. Right. So if, if some younger people, if a Donovan Mitchell, you know, a peak professional athlete, if something really bad happened, that might, yeah, maybe finally make people really open their eyes to it. But obviously we don't want anything like that to happen, but... Well, you know, we had to take even precautions in our family. I mean, I've got my parents are elderly. They're both uh, 90, you know, and we had a funeral to go to yesterday. My dad's sister's husband. I mean, they just didn't feel comfortable going. They weren't feeling that good in the first place. So, you know, there was a few people that missed it because of reasons like that. And we're also taking some precautions as a family of not, uh, you know, not bombarding them over to their house all the time, you know, trying to keep that uh, low keel, you know, and you got to because they're the ones that are really susceptible to it. Yeah, right. you know, I am too, but I feel fairly confident even if I got it, I probably would survive it. I mean, I'm knock on wood on that too, but it might hit me pretty it hit me probably harder than if you had it, Jared. Yeah. Like I said, yeah, I worry like you even talk like no one should be going over to our grandma and grandma, my grandma and grandpa's house. Like I feel like Matt, like you should probably feel the same way, like about probably your parents and stuff well, like that. Like I, I, just how I the way I somebody look at has it. to no, though, Jared, because they have well, no, stop in re- for no quick. Like one, there should be for, one designated person exactly. who is going in and out. Other than that, no one, because they have nobody that they have to have their groceries taken over there. And I agree with you. One designated person basically for the next Couple two weeks, three weeks least, and yeah. see what happens. Yeah. 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 I mean, my my parents are more your age, Ted. Yeah. They had um, in the next week or two. They had they had planned like basically like a dream vacation. They had been thinking about oh. whole lives. They were going to be going to Hawaii for a couple weeks, and they, I, they they did end up postponing it. So I was glad to hear that. I, I figured that they would, but it was a kind of a relief to hear that they were postponing it because you know as you could have taken all the precautions you want, wiping everything down on the plane, doing everything, but just doing that much travel and being you know, away from for two weeks and everything, it's just probably not the smart thing. So, yeah, having a designated person heading over to your grandparents' house, Jared, you know, there's stuff like that that probably smart things to do at least, you know, for a few weeks or a month or so. Yep, yep, and I agree with you on your parents, too. I mean, I, I, one thing that I have seen out there that the airlines have been absolutely super as far as people wanting to change their plans. You know, they've been honoring their original tickets. I'm sure when your parents reschedule, they'll be able to go with no uh, financial penalties. And I agree with you 100%. Would I want to sit on a plane for, you know, eight and a half, ten hours, whatever it is, from here to Hawaii? I mean, that's like, that's like a, a human Petri dish. 
You know, any anytime someone coughed or anytime someone sneezed, you would just you would just be stressed the whole time. Yeah, like you almost wouldn't even be able to enjoy it. So, you know, it's kind of it's a little bit of a crazy time right now. I mean, we we talked about it, you know, either off air or other times. But I don't, Ted, have you ever really experienced anything like this? I mean, obviously no. Jared and I never have. No, like, no, is, it's pretty crazy. Well, we, we even talked about it with Feinstein. I mean, we've him and I are basically the same age. We've never seen anything like this. I mean, this is it's unprecedented, guys. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? And the the scary part to me, when as we wrap this up, which by the way, Jack Strap was smart. He's hibernating right now. We probably won't hear from him for a while. Yeah, he's in deep quarantine. Deep quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I think right now, you know, we make some light of things. We still got to go on with our lives. But if we can get a handle on this as a country and not get in the situation like they got going on in Italy, I see Spain just shut down everything. I mean, if we can kind of get a handle on it here in this country. That that's likely. You think put, it's going to end up like Italy? Put a percentage. What do you th- What do you guys think? Percentage that that happens within the next two weeks? I think, I think it's fifty fifty. I really do. I'm leaning more towards like seventy five percent sure it's happening. I think so. I feel like at least stuff I've read, like more the majority. I guess I'm more convinced that it will happen. Just because things I've read is like we're we're still not even at the peak of this thing. Like it's still kind of like just starting. So. You know, if it gets worse in the next week or two, we might have to do that. Yeah. How long did China have it? Because I know, still, obviously, is it still well, no, they've it's all leveled off in China now. It's it's on the According downswing. According to their, well, yeah. But the thing is, as a as a society, which I'm not I'm not a proponent of the communism thing, where it's just their demands. But it, they did shut it down. I mean, that's according to their news. Okay. Right? Well, there's there's Americans. That, there's America. Wait, there's Americans. Got you. They got you. They got you tricked. Americans live in China, so it's not just the well, Chinese okay, propaganda. If you were dropped into China. I mean, we got a cousin. To like, oh, there's 350 deaths well, in China. Like, I, I know. How would you know that? I know it could be slanted. I agree with you, but if it, you know, there is enough uh, of uh, the media or people that are from America that live there that I think pass on the information. How do they now maybe maybe they maybe they're they're blackmailed maybe they're brainwashed exactly I don't know I don't know either who even knows in the United States if these numbers are so you both you guys are a little bit more doom and gloom than I am at least today I mean I I, I think this is a very serious thing I just think we can get a handle on it and this next week or so is going to be huge yeah I'm not yeah I'm not going as far as like doom and gloom I'm just more saying like seeing how the trajectory was in other countries and like I've I've read like opinion pieces and doctors and stuff from Italy saying like U.S. should be warned because where we're at now they were at two or three weeks ago so it's more just like I I just want to be prepared I guess yeah it's not a panic thing but like I said I think it's better to be prepared for the unknown than to just think like go on with life as normal but hopefully it never gets to that hopefully yeah like you said we get a handle on it in the next week or two and you know we can all look back and think, man, that was pretty wild. Wow. Well, pretty wild podcast, fellas. A little different and from our normal podcast. Obviously, we, we usually talk a lot of sports. We talked a little bit with uh, with our author, John Feinstein, but, uh, you know, a serious stuff going on in the world right now. We'll see where we're at a week from now. Yeah, hopefully we're not all hunkered down in a bunker trying to call and do, like, a conference call podcast. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> all right, do we want to wrap it up with anything? Are we good to go? I just, yeah, I mean, I guess we were all kind of, I mean, and we were all kind of a little bit wrong. Like, I mean, we kind of downplayed yeah. it. I would say, me and you especially, Matt was kind of the one that was even a little bit more rational than yeah. us. But I would say even, it seems like everyone's kind of well, well, putting their up, foot in their mouth. My right hand's now. up now. I was wrong. You know, there's you no were, You were, beside you, you were almost hysterical at the hysteria. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. <laughs> well, I, I, again, and I'm going to stick with it. The hysteria, we don't need it. It doesn't do anybody any good. Stay stay somewhat calm, you know? Do you know anybody that's got it? No. Matt, do you know anybody that's got it? There's no way to test it. No, I'm just saying. Do you you know anybody? Other than the NBA players and Tom Hanks, I mean, personally, do you know any personal friends or family? My dad called our local, like, doctor's office in Wausau. Asked if they had tests. The tests, right? <laughs> it's like, what do you think, man? I they can't even get them. There's like, what do we test? Like 150 people a day? You think this little rinky dink operation also <laughs> is gonna have gonna have test kits? That's that's what's a little scary. And I know we're trying to wrap up, and that's I guess why why I'm not doom and gloom, but I am a, not like worried. I, I don't know what the right word is. I'm trying to 
be precautious, I guess, because like what you're saying, Jared, I mean, that's what, when you read about how kind of behind we are, because the government was just like playing it off, downplaying the severity for so long, that it sure seems like everything that we hear and everything that you're reading about how many tests we have, the all the um, tools and the supplies that hospitals and everything have, it just seems like we're behind the curve. We're not really prepared for this if it does get really extreme. So that that's kind of like my thought. Like if, if in a week or two it doesn't level out, are we prepared for it if it does go crazy? Because, right, is, are there, is there testing in Owasso if it's needed? Or, you know, like... I know here in North Carolina, they only had like 300 tests available last week, and people were saying, you know, they've done some, and there was only like 100, 150 tests remaining. So I was like, what if, like, it, it kind of like started going crazy here in North Carolina? We only have 150 tests. What's that going to do? Well, you know, we don't get very political here at all, but I do have one political statement. I will say, none of us like the government running our lives, but this is a situation where the government did not have our backs. And that's that's, no. that's a sad part right there, because that's what government is for. End of my no, political exactly. statement. Yeah, I would say, I mean, this whole thing has been botched. I'm not sure if there's any, I mean, it, it's, like I said, it's unprecedented. It is. So there's really, I don't know if you could say that anyone would have nailed it. I did hear, a ru- I don't know if this is true or not, I did hear a rumor that like there was like a whole, Obama had like a whole pandemic fund and like plan set up and that was like trump like scrapped it i don't like a few like a couple years ago i don't know if that's true that's something i heard i'm somebody's probably listening to this saying you're an idiot or somebody's probably listening to this saying yeah that did happen yeah i don't know enough facts about it. i think i've heard something along that along those lines they did yeah they did talk about how he, he cut a lot of the staff and then a lot of the funding for it that would have been used a week or two ago had this stuff you know been available to us but you know, it's just a shame because, right, like you said, we don't want the government running our lives. It's not like that. But when it comes to times like this, that's, like you said, that's kind of what they're there for. And there's not much trust. And it does seem like it's just been botched. So hopefully, I mean, like, as you open this up, Ted, this is still a great country. So hopefully we're able to figure things out. Yep. I, I'm confident we can pull together and let's see what happens. All right, fellas, we'll call it a pod for now. All our listeners out there, make sure you subscribe, rate us on all the big podcasting sites, including Apple Podcasts. If you got comments at all about what we discussed here or at any other time, definitely hit us up on our uh, social media site. That's at Three Point Pod, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Support our Three Point Podcast partners. Tell them you listen in. Advanced Elevator, Sheridan Realty and Auction Company, Rivals Tap House and Grill, The Corona Connection, Card Service Michiana, The Corona Public Schools, and Promec Engineering. Also, be sure check out our network friends at Sports Radio Detroit. And special thanks to John Feinstein for taking time out of his busy schedule and joining us. And make sure you pick up a copy of The Back Roads to March. I am sure you will not be disappointed. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Three Point Podcast. One shining moment, great song, but as the Gen Zers would say, this shit just hits different now. Enjoy. The ball is tipped, and there you are. You're running for your life You're a shooting star And all the years No one knows Just how hard you worked But now it shows In one shining moment It's all on the line In one shining moment They're frozen in Time is short and the road is long in the blinking of an eye. That moment's gone, and when it's done, win or lose, you always did your best. Cause inside you knew that in one shining moment, you reached deep inside. One shining Feel the wind in your face It's more than a contest It's more than a
Shining. 